You are listening to the To Faithful Men podcast. To Faithful Men is a project that started in 2006 to digitize and preserve old sermon and study tapes of Elder Wally Flanagan, Elder Hassel Wallace, and Elder Mike Strevel. They were pastors and teachers, and they studied to teach and train up others to continue in the ways of truth. I am thankful to be able to provide you with these sermons and studies, and I hope they will be a blessing to you. Okay, let's read number three. The mystery of the kingdom. After the 1311, Mark 411, we studied those last time, and Christ said that uh, to the outsiders, uh, they wasn't, he wasn't, he, really, he was talking in parables, that uh, he didn't mean for them to know the new revelations, but He's telling them about a mystery which is nothing more than a new revelation that Christ is telling them, and he's telling them in stories or parables. What is the mystery of the kingdom? What truth is conveyed by this statement? Well, let's read the statement now under that, and what I say about it. The mystery of the kingdom of God means the coming of the kingdom into history in the person of Jesus Christ, in a way not revealed in the Old Testament, the mystery is a revelation of a dynamic activity of the kingdom of God to establish God's rule among men between the two advents of Christ. The rule of God between the two advents of, between the two advents is indeed dynamic, yet its spiritual content can be seen, heard, and understood only by born-again people. And that last part ought to be underlined. I know that's true. That's the reason, that's the reason, that's the reason religion gets home whole now is because that God's not speaking from heaven during these outward miracles. And so we get to thinking it's not dynamic. It's just as dynamic now as it should be the child of God uh, as it is when the, when the heavens light up. So it says there on the last, uh, uh, this, uh, the rule of God between the two advents is indeed dynamic. Yet, its spiritual content can be seen, heard, and understood only by born-again people. John 3, 3 says that. Very, very outstandingly, except a man be born again, he cannot see, that is, perceive, understand, uh, have any knowledge of the spiritual content of these expressions about God. Any questions about that? And then, uh, here in uh, Matthew uh, 13, 9 and 16, there, uh, it says in 13, 9, he that has an ear to hear, or eye to see, let him do that. And then in 16, it talks about how blessed it is to have that ability to see in you. And the person that's born again, the kingdom of God, uh, is supposed to be enough enlightenment to make it dynamic. Any question about that? I'm going to say this. Uh, any person that's born again is in the sphere or the realm of the kingdom of God. A new birth puts you there. But if you ever enter into it, their responsibilities take over and you have to study and yes, it's work. It says that in this verse. You know, I don't want to preach about this verse right here 
God willing, uh, two weeks from today, God being my helper, getting in the kingdom through great tribulation, entering into it. But you don't get in the sphere of it by what you do. You get into that by an act of God. No one can hinder it. And it fixes you where you can grow, where you can see more, where you can be a disciple, where you can fight the good fight of faith. And it's a costly journey. How many lost their life over? Fifty million. That's just a small amount. Entering, entering into it. I want to preach about that. If my throat allow me to, two weeks from today. But I, I, I just want you to know that now. If you're born again, you're in the sphere of the realm. You've been translated out of darkness into the kingdom of God by an act of God. You're his. You're not only holding the position of adoption. Now he's actually come and got you and put you in the sphere of his work. And he wants you to be a tremendous person spurred on by the dynamic activity of the will of God. Now don't tell me the kingdom of God is not the center of it all. Okay. Let's read the note. I'll finish that. We'll finish that page up. The note down there. The kingdom of God that is now working quietly among men shall indeed appear in a future act at the end of this age in visible power and great glory. Therefore we see that the kingdom of God involves two great moments. Now you've got to get this if you stay with me. The kingdom of God involves two great moments. Fulfillment within history, uh, fulfillment within history, and culmination at the end of history are completion. Present fulfillment without culmination is the single truth illustrated by the several parables of Matthew 13 and Mark 4. It is precisely this background which provides the settings for the parables on the kingdom of God. All right? Now, what I've said there, when Jesus began to talk in these little stories called parables, and he's telling it to them that he's going to reveal a new truth to them. What he's saying is that I'm going to show you a fulfillment now without completion. And every one of those parables brings that out. Every one of them brings God in complete control at the end of them. In the first one, we've already went through enough of us to see that God said a lot of people, and I'm telling you, is going to reject the message. But I'm telling you, all people are not going to reject my message. And the people that I transfer out of darkness, because of the realm of my rule, called the kingdom of God, that's good ground. And some of them, every one of them, is going to bring forth some kind of good fruit. Some more, some less, but all produces. That's what he's saying. But he's saying to everybody that believes that just because I'm not tracking everybody dead, just because they don't believe, will is in grave deception. 
cause is not going to be a universal crackdown at this time. Every one of them says a fulfillment now, completion later on. And that's the background for those stories called the kingdom of God in Matthew 13 and Luke 4. Any questions? Okay. You do believe that? Are you sold out on that, ain't you? Uh, I'm sold out on that. Now, it'll take about five minutes to read on page two of, the, of the, what I handed out last week. And I'll sit down. We need to finish that today or we can study about the tares and the wheat. The wheat growing among the weeds uh, next Sunday morning, the Lord willing. So here's what it says. <clears throat> Down about the middle of the page where it says no uh, is where I mark. This is indeed far from what the Jewish nation had expected. The Jews believed that the coming kingdom would mean the exercise of God's mighty power, before which no man could stand, Daniel 2.44. Then we read that. And the, and, uh, and the uh, dominion of wicked rulers would be destroyed, Daniel 2.35. And the kingdom be given to saints of the Most High God, Daniel 7.27. We read those. And that's what they're looking for. In apparent disagreement with the Old Testament promises, the kingdom come upon men, but not for the purpose of shattering evil or, or, or display irresistible power. Rather, it is like seed on the roadside, which never took root, or it may be superficially received, only to die, or it may be choked by the careers of the careless age, which is hostile to the kingdom of God. However, the kingdom of God is never defeated, Remember that. The kingdom of God is never defeated or left without a witness as we see in the good ground. Now you follow me in that? God at no time has left himself witlessness. Never. Ever since that God spoke and this universe come into existence, there has been some, some witness of some nature declaring uh, the divine character of an almighty being that we call God. And so, in the midst of all this preaching business, you've got some good ground. That's the children of God that's been brought in to the sphere of the rule of God, of the kingdom of God. Okay? Uh, as we see in the good ground, which through the miraculous rule of God produced good fruit to his glory. Uh, this will be in line more in another parable about this miraculous work of God. The kingdom of God may for long periods permit ungodly people to rebel and talk back, but it never permits them to have the last say. You can believe that. God will never permit any human being or spirit, devil and demons, to have the last say. Now, they may get off in a corner, corner somewhere and bubble, but God knows our hearts. We will not have the last say. You believe that too, don't you? Now, there's going to be a lot of stuff goes on that looks bad that we may not understand. Somebody may be cursing the Lord and killing the preacher, but he's not going to have the last say. <clears throat> The day is coming when the mighty rule of God 
will shatter every evil order and every evil authority and every lying one. 1 Corinthians 15:24 says that. And it says there that Christ is going to reign up till that point. And then he's going to turn the kingdom over to God and what that means. Let us thank God for the blessing of eyes to see and ears to hear the mysteries of the kingdom of God, without which we would no doubt be as others offended in Jesus Christ our Lord. Matthew eleven six says, Now, after, after John sent these people, I want you to listen to this, said, You go over and ask Christ, is he the one, or shall we look for another? Well, they went and Christ sent them back with a message. And he recommended that they need to receive that message, lest they be offended in him. Now, these people run around wondering and crying at God, why he don't do this and why he don't stop that, must be offended at him. But God is saying everybody will be offended if you don't understand my will. Anything that, is it? Are you offended at him? Am I offended at God? I will be unless I understand His rules. And the only way I'm going to do that is to study. And the only way, I, and the only way I'm going to reach any conclusions out of that is to provide the Word of Truth in the right way. That's the only way I'll ever do it. To, 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 to somebody that don't know much about this, a lot of us like to understand God and they have never read and never studied, and you bring a Bible and, and shut it out there. When you read that and you'll know it, you're deceiving that person. That person cannot by themselves rightly divide the word of truth. God sends help. Philip, you know who you read about and in Isaiah 53? How can I accept some man tell me about it? Now, they won't help to read the Bible, but they'll never get it all together without some help. If they do, then this Bible has lied. And then, if we have reached some solid ground, then the Bible says for us to earnestly contend for faith on that truth. Jude, verse 3. So, do I believe God? Am I in the sphere of His rule? Do I understand the kingdom of God or understanding it? Do I love to stir the Word of God and like for the preachers to bring it all together and let my soul rest upon it? Or am I just not much hungry? But if I believe I've got some solid ground, will I give my blood to contend for it if it's necessary? That's up to you, child of God, not the preacher. The preacher's got to do that too. But if I'm called upon... I don't know if I will or not, but if I'm called upon, I hope that I'll give my blood to join these 50 million martyrs that's already gone to be of God. I believe there's a church of God in the world myself, and I believe God put it in care of the truth. I believe I belong to it. And I pray to God when I die that it won't be said to me that I told anybody it don't make no difference. Just accept Christ and let it go. Do you want to live that kind of life? Look at that. 
You want to earnestly? Let me ask you this now. You be your own judge. At this moment, how sharp is your appetite for this word right here? Is my, is my 35 or 40 minutes just talking about this activity of God sharpening your soul in the way of learning? Or is it so what? Do you want to be a Anna or a Simeon? Or you just want to wake up some morning and say, Lord, I know you're going to come, but I don't want to be bothered about it. I don't want to be thrilled about it. I just want to be worthy. Okay. I believe beyond any doubt in my soul, I've told you the truth this morning. And I no doubt in my mind about it whatsoever. I ask you to believe it. I ask you not to waste your life and dabbing around, and I'll talk about it. Eat upon it and tell somebody else about it and invite them to come to your church. Dear Lord, we're so thankful for your kingdom. We're thrilled to be having some insight to his value and his power. We pray, Lord, that you'll sharpen our appetite to whether we'll be powerful in your kingdom and that we might worship you out of our very soul from the fact that we're in the sphere of your kingdom by your miraculous work through the Holy Spirit of God. Help us to praise you now as we sing and listen to preaching. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. And amen. Um, I want to thank uh, Brother Jimmy personally for this church for the extra work he went to and getting us those pews and those cartons. You hear that? I know that took a little extra work there, and uh, you might have had to even jumble the figures to do it, not dishonestly, but for our good. And I praise the Lord that we have it. And thank you for the thousand dollars you give that we might own it. I really do appreciate that. So I'll get a book and turn to number eight. Number eight, O Worship the King. No soul, oh, worship the King of glory,
listening to the To Faithful Men podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. Also, if this podcast has been a blessing to you, please share it with others and help our ratings by giving us five stars and writing a review within your podcast app. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Mm-hmm.